This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast that focuses on issues surrounding your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. With warmer weather, we enjoy more activities and things to do outside. And that brings us in contact with stinging insects. But how do you react when you encounter a stinging insect? Are you going to be left with a painful or itchy bump or a trip to the emergency room? Dr. Richard J. Horball specializes in allergies and immunology at his allergy and asthma clinics in Midland and in Bay City. Health Dose asked Dr. Horball, what are the most serious reactions caused by insects? Well, you could have toxic reactions like to snake venom where you have muscle paralysis. The topic we're going to talk about today is venom reactions, and usually it causes either a local reaction or systemic reaction. A local reaction can be painful and cumbersome, but they're not lethal. Anaphylaxis is a severe allergic reaction where blood pressure drops and people go into shock and you could potentially die. Well, how common are allergies to insects in our population? Okay, if you test random groups of people, anywhere between 1.9 and 4.6% of random groups, they've tested the University of Wisconsin football team, they've tested nuns in convents, they've gone to the colleges and factories and just recruited people. So the government grants a, you know, an allergy program and the, res- the fellows in there do random tests. And that's just the study. So we, if you have to take a conservative approach, about 2% of people are probably potentially allergic, we think. And you're talking a difference between a bump or an area on an extremity where you may have been exposed as opposed to an entire system in your body being shut down. How do you explain what anaphylaxis is? Well, your, your body releases chemicals, histamines and leukotrienes, all these other chemicals. If it lowers the blood pressure, the blood vessels leak, the chest on your kidneys, you can have an asthma episode and go into shock and actually pass out due to hypotension. Hypotension is? Lower blood pressure. You know, low blood pressure to the brain, you just pass out. You potentially can die. If somebody dies of anaphylaxis, it's often mislabeled as a heart attack or a stroke. And often there's no autopsies done anymore. And if you look for it, you find it more often than, than you think. But, but is, are people going to pay several hundred dollars to somebody who's died to, to run a blood test? That's not going to happen. And you mentioned asthma. Am I susceptible to the symptoms of asthma even if I don't have asthma when I don't have a reaction? Correct. During anaphylaxis, your muscles in your lungs squeeze and impairs the airflow to your lungs. So you get shorter breaths and you can become hypoxic. Your oxygen level can drop. That's part of the anaphylaxis. Would they refer to that as chronic asthma versus situational asthma? The short version, yeah, that's, that would be correct. If you think you might be allergic to stinging insects, who do you need to see to get an accurate diagnosis about which insects you're allergic to and how serious the threat might be? We recommend that you get tested by an allergist, but there are blood tests available that come up short, so those are not recommended in the guidelines. So we recommend a skin testing where you titrate the dose from a very small amount of venom and you increase the dose. A bee stings you with 50 micrograms. The most allergist test for is one microgram, but we have to presume, if you have a good history of symptoms, that we have to presume you're very, very allergic. We dilute the solution so you don't get sick during the testing itself. So there's several stages. We start with like you know, one to a million, then we go up to full strength. And then if you have a little high, any along the way, you're allergic. So we can tell you which species you're allergic to. If you do have positive skin tests, we recommend you immunized. We give allergy shots for that. Allergy shots are analogous to when you have a virus that's injected into your body to build immunity to that virus. Is that correct? Correct. To make antibodies. And the skin test, is that the little thing that they set up on your back where they do the grid of the little pinpricks and then they decide which of those are causing you to turn red? 
Right, you do those with airborne allergens like trees and grasses and dust mites and dogs. But for the bee testing, we do it on the arm. There's only, well, there's honeybees and wasps and the two hornets, white and yellow hornet and yellow jacket. Those are called hymenoptera. There's also an insect in Florida and Georgia. It's called a, a fire ant. And that's an hymenoptera too, but they don't survive the frost. So we don't really test for it up here unless you have seasonal, uh, you locate down there during the winter. Sometimes we test for that, but it's rare. Does being allergic to one type of insect indicate that I might be prone to allergies with another insect? The only venomous insects, I think, are the hymenoptera. So that would be, in this part of the world, again, honeybees, wasps, white hornets. They're called ball hornets, too. Yellow hornets and yellow jackets. Those are the ones that we're probably looking through. The new, they call those murder yellow jackets, I guess they call them. They're coming in northwest United States and Washington. I think they're, they're similar to what we have here as far as our hornets. So there's some cross-reactivity. But are their venoms similar, or are they so different species by species that you might need to customize a treatment to a specific insect? There's three proteins that are common to all insects. One is called hyaluronidase, one is called cathepsin, the other one is called neuramidase. And each species, those five that I mentioned, plus the fire, have slightly different proteins. They're not exactly the same, so we have to test for all those. So you could be allergic to honeybee and or wasp, and or yellow jacket, and or hornet, white or the yellow hornet. So you can have a combination of all those. This has been done successfully since the mid-80s. So we have legions of data that suggest, you know, to, to support that these, this is very worthwhile. So for a patient who has gone through the testing process where we know what kind of treatment plan we need to implement for them, what does that treatment plan look like? How often, how long, how regular? Based upon the original studies in New England, and it was published in 1984, they took 104 people who had been stung once, went into anaphylactic shock and were resuscitated. They actually were almost dead. They put them on what's called a whole body serum. Well, they used to take bees. It sounds gross, but they put them in a blender with saline and made a slurry and filtered it through an ultra-pore filter to give it back to them. That failed also. This is a monumental study where they took 104 people who had been stung twice, one not on shots, one on whole body shots that don't work. Then they put them into a program with pure venoms. So they actually dissect the insects one by one and extract the venom and sell it to the allergists like me with the freeze-dried solution. So the little study, they took 104 people and they did serial studies. And these people are still in the study where they have a sequential or serial skin testing. They produced antibodies. So they, they recorded the, the levels with blood tests. And they did sting challenges where they actually put them in a hospital and stung them with the insect and put them into shock to prove that it didn't work. So they found that most of these people at five years they had the antibody levels, negative skin tests, negative skin challenge. They stopped the treatments. So we're now about 36 years downstream, and 70 of the original 104 people are still alive, and they seem to still be protected. So we think it's a lifelong antibody. So the treatment involves what's called a buildup, where you give shots for about 10 to 12 weeks, and then you go monthly for five years, get tested. If you're negative, you're probably safe for the rest of your life. Are you still prescribing the EpiPen? Yes, EpiPen's buy you time to get to the emergency room. So there's the AviQ, which is sort of an automatic one that was taken off the market because of an electronic failure. And then there's the, the old standard one based upon the army-induced atropine pen that you can inject through your clothing. You don't have time to clean your skin. But it provides you about 10 or 15 minutes to get to the emergency room. So it's not a treatment. It's, it's a buy you time to get to the hospital so a physician can see you. So we really, really emphasize to our patients, if you carry a pen and you get stung, you start to have symptoms, use the pen, and you get to the hospital as soon as you can. An ambulance is great, but if you can get there on your own, you're better off. So the sooner the treatment, the better. Anaphylaxis is a disease that can go from normal to death within minutes, actually seconds. So in our office, we give allergy shots in about 
once every two or three years, somebody gets an anaphylactic reaction. I actually give the epinephrine myself. I don't even ask the nurse. That time that it takes for me to ask the nurse to do it is seconds that it could have been benefited by me giving it. So if you've ever treated anaphylaxis, you have to respect the time frame. It's scary, it's scary fast. So it's important that people give the epi and get to a hospital or a doctor who knows what they're doing, they can treat them. You get delayed reactions to anaphylaxis. So it's something you got to take extremely serious. There's a lot of people dying of these. We're not talking about Benadryl. The EpiPen is something completely different. Benadryl is okay. Most people do this, but you know, if you take a Benadryl fluid, even liquid, it takes, if you're lucky, half an hour to get in your system. By that time, anaphylaxis is probably going to do its deed. So people take Benadryl and say they took care of the reaction. It wasn't that bad a reaction, to tell you the truth. So epinephrine is mandatory. And what is epinephrine? It's a hormone that's addressed by the adrenal glands. Everybody has it circulating, so it's part of your daily hormones that you live with. So it, it, it gives a, the tone to the blood vessels, and it, it regulates heart rate, smooth muscle contraction. So it's one of those hormones that we have endogenous in our body, but the amount that you can produce is enough to counteract the anaphylaxis. So we make it artificially and give it back to people. Everybody's experienced epinephrine. So in the middle of the night, you know, say you're walking, and all of a sudden the book drops or some loud noise hits, and all of a sudden you get that, your muscles tighten up, your heart races real quickly, that's epinephrine. So it, it heightens you. It's like the fight or flight reaction, the rabbit in the hair, so your eyes dilate, your muscle gets strong. So if somebody's pinned underneath the car, grandma can lift a two-ton car up, you know, that's, that's epinephrine. So we all have it, and it's a benefit to us, but you would think the body would secrete enough to counteract it, but it doesn't do that. The EpiPen is one brand, but there's an IBQ. There's other off-brands, and the concern is the cost. It's becoming more expensive, which is a concern. Of course, the best way to stay safe is to avoid contact with stinging insects. What do you advise right. your patients in regard to that? Well, if you see an insect, you just you duck around a building, a car, a tree. They're not that smart where they can see it. It's not like the cartoons where they can sense things. So they have an extremely good sense of smell. And the four of the insects are, are social. So the honeybee, wasp, and the two hornets live above ground, and they won't attack you unless you're near their hive. So if you, you know where the hive is, you stay maybe... 10 meters away, I don't think they're going to bother you. It's possible, but it's unlikely. The other one, the yellow jacket lives below ground, and they're very non-social. You could be two miles away from their hive. If you cross their path, they'll bite you. There's some suggestion if you wear floral print clothing or you wear perfume, you may attract them. I'm not sure that's true, but I've heard that. That's sort of some of the social uh, internet sites, they talk about that. So if you want to avoid very loud colors, and it's interesting, if you look at a flower in an ultraviolet light, you actually see contrasting elements that you can't see with visual light. So we think insects can see that. So there may be some benefits for not wearing contrasting colors. So if you wear monochromatic clothing, you're probably better off than if you wear some contrast. So they, they seem to be attracted to contrast. So again, there's patterns in flowers that we can't see that insects focus on. I know beekeepers wear all white with absolutely no pattern on them. Correct. But they also use smoke, so that wouldn't be a good way. But yeah, you just just try to you know, just you look at them, you avoid them. Tell people if they have insects and say somebody in there, they know they're allergic or they get large locusts, you want to get rid of them. You can call orcan or rose pesticide, but this is really neat. Since yellow jackets live below the ground, if you take a clear bowl and put it over the opening, you do this at night, maybe with you know, like red uh, hunting lights or something, so they can't see red light. So you, you put a clear bowl over the hole. The hive will die in a week. They burrow into the ground. So they come out and they look at the, the sky with light through this clear bowl. They can't understand what's going on. If you put a colored bowl, they'll burrow to the side and they'll dig into a hole. But if you put a clear bowl, the whole hive will dehydrate in about a week and you've done the, gotten rid of them. 
that's only for yellow jackets above ground. If you're brave at night, you put a big bag over the end of the, the tree limb or you can go up to the house and tape a bag with a glove and scrape it in there. But that takes a bit more uh, hutzpah, I guess, if you will. Another thing, I, I should tell you this. For local reactions, there's an old wise tale that may have some merit. Sometimes you can take a poultice or a slurry of meat tenderizer and put it over the area. Meat tenderizer has got an enzyme called trypsin, which digests protein, which is what is in the venom that you cause the reaction to. So if you make a slurry of meat tenderizer, it'll reduce the local reaction, but you only got about five minutes after the sting. You've heard about people putting baking soda or baking powder or, or putting a steak on there or something else. It really doesn't do that much, but the meat tenderizer actually reduces the amount of swelling locally. It actually diffuses in the skin a little bit and chops up the protein. So I recommend people do that, but not on their eyes or their private parts or mucous membranes. You want to do it on dead skin. So that, that's the little local reaction treatment that may work. But it's specifically for local reactions, not the anaphylactic Dick, uh, not the Correct. system. It, it, it'll, it'll do nothing for anaphylaxis, but if you get stung and you're, you get a lot of swelling, which is uncomfortable, you reduce it. It works for horse flies and deer flies and things like that also. That is allergy and immunology specialist Richard J. Horball, MD. As always, if you have health concerns, the best place to start is your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, you can go to midmichigan.org slash doctors. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in again soon for another edition of Health Dose.